Welcome to When I Was On My Mission, the podcast where missionaries tell true, unbelievable stories that they experienced firsthand. I'm your host, Brian Jensen. If you like this podcast, please tell a friend, subscribe, and leave us a five-star rating in your podcast app. It really helps us out. Hi, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the When I Was On My Mission podcast. I'm your host, Brian Jensen, and we are here with Whitney Dunn. Whitney, welcome to the podcast. Hey, thanks. Thanks for having me on here. Yeah, of course. And Whitney, where where are you joining us from? I currently live in Richmond, Virginia. Very good. So making time for us this evening in the Eastern time zone. Really, really appreciate that. And yeah, just excited to hear a little bit about your story. So first of all, where did you serve your mission? So I served in the Phoenix, Arizona mission. Oh, very good. Did you, what language did you speak? When you get called that mission now, you have to learn English and Spanish. It's called the English-Spanish mission. But when I was there, it was just an English mission where I served. Very cool. And what did what did Phoenix cover? What part of Arizona? It was right, right downtown Phoenix and then um, all the way north up into Tuba City, Lake Powell. My family joked I went to the Lake Powell mission. So, but it started in the bottom of Phoenix and went all the way up north up to the reservation. Very cool. Were you in any reservation areas? No. When I got there, the sisters weren't um, allowed to serve up at the reservation, but I had served around a lot of elders who had great experiences up there. However, I also did teach a lot of um, Native Americans who were in the city and who had family up at the reservation, but had come down to the city. Super cool. What tribes? The Shahoni and even has some Utes and I would assume Navajo and Yeah, Navajo for sure. Yeah. Yes, for sure Navajo. Yeah, I actually have a funny story, you know, to put this one in. But I, one of the families that we were working with, the, they are a wonderful Navajo family. We were teaching them and working with them and um we got really close with them and one night I got a phone call because we our mission was actually a pilot mission for having cell phones. And so we had a cell phone by our bed and in the middle of the night it was ringing, so we answered it. And uh, the sweet lady, Sister Nez, called me and said, Sister Newton, I'm having my baby. I'm in labor. And said, what do I do? So as missionaries, you don't really think about what to do when somebody's having in labor. But we were able to get her to a hospital and make sure she delivered the baby, not at home, but at the hospital. So, Oh, that's super fun. This is like a little pregame story. So hold on. I want to yes. ask you a couple questions yes. about that. So she, yes. calls you, she calls you on the phone. She's about to have a baby. And yes. what, do you, what do you say to her in that scenario? Well, I could tell she was very much in pain and in laboring. And yes. I, asked, I asked her, can you get to the hospital? Uh, maybe. Do we need you to get a ride to the hospital? That would be great. So we were able to <laughs> call somebody in the middle of the night to go take her to the hospital. And at one point on the phone call, she was, I think I need to start pushing. I said, don't start pushing yet. Wait till we get to the hospital and get that baby there. So. It was kind of a definitely a different experience I'd never had on my mission or thought I would have on my mission. Wait, so she, it, she called you from a cell phone and just stayed on the phone during her yes. trip over to the hospital? Yes, yes. Awesome. Yes. Who did you yes. who did you get to take her to the hospital? We have an amazing, um, it was actually our ward mission leader was able to get her over, the, get over there and take her to the hospital. <laughs> oh, wow. And yeah. was she just like a longtime member of the ward or branch? No, you know, it actually was a really cool experience for her. She grew up in on the reservation and was a member there. And then when she moved down to the city, she kind of didn't realize that the church was 
worldwide. She just thought the church was on the reservation. Oh, wow. So she stopped kind of going to church because she didn't know that there was a... Anyway, she saw two missionaries walking down the street one day. And so she pulled her car over and said, what are you doing here in Richmond? And they said, we're teaching people about Jesus. And she goes, I know, I, I used to go to your church. And anyway, she came to figure out the church is actually a worldwide church. And she was able to find the local ward and started going. And that's when we started actually teaching her children who were never baptized and to all of her kids that were baptized. Oh, wow. That's amazing. Yeah. Um, that is a great story. I have all these Arizona questions for you because I spent yeah. uh, I spent a lot of time in Arizona growing up. I had a family business that would go down during the summer oh. so, and work out. Anyway, I love Arizona. I actually have Navajo people in my family and spent a decent amount of time going both to the Navajo and the Hopi Reservation when I was growing up. I love that area. Yeah, um, that's awesome. That's that's really cool. Can I tell one more other quick story on that? Yeah, of course. Um, I didn't teach this sister, but we just gotten to be with her after the missionaries started teaching with her. And she was reading the Book of Mormon, and they, the missionary showed up the next day, and she was kind of mad. And she looked at him, and she said, where did you get this? And she was very upset. And they're like, what do you mean, where did you get this? And she said, this are my stories. Like, this is what my family has been passed down. These are like these some of these stories we have told and told and told and told. Like, where did you find this story? And it was just really neat for her to gain a testament. She joined the church. Her family all joined the kids and everyone joined the church. But she had heard some of these similar stories in the Book of Mormon that we had been reading. But she had, they had been passed down to her through her family um, genealogy. Wow, that is amazing. Where Where were you when you met her? So that was Sister Red Elk, and that was also um, in the North Phoenix area. But she's an amazing person. Very cool. And do yeah. you remember, did she say which story specifically? Had it was, been yeah, it was all the, um, when the, they buried their weapons of war, it was the reading that the missionaries gave her. And she came back and she was just like, so mad. Like, why do you have this? How do you have this? Because we didn't write this, like, we don't write our stuff down. How do you know the story? Wow, that's amazing. Yeah. That's yeah. super cool. And what tribe was she? She was Navajo as well. She was Navajo. Very yeah. cool. So those are, that's fun. Some, some bonus stories to kind of, yeah. get things going and get the ball rolling a little bit so the phoenix mission is speaking english you dabbled in spanish too mm -hmm. also met a bunch of indian people while you were there maybe just a couple more warm-up questions before we yeah. jump into the story that you wanted to share when you think back on your mission and you think about getting your call in the mail and opening it up were you excited to go on a mission yeah i actually grew up in a family of only girls i didn't have any brothers and I'm number three of the four girls, and my mom's a convert to the church. So I didn't have any cousins on that side who served mission. I had a couple cousins on my dad's side. So the missions were all new to my family and to me. And I uh, was up in my first year at Utah State, and I remember having a really distinct impression on my birthday saying, you could turn your mission papers in a year from now. And that was really, really weird. I remember thinking, like, laughing, like, that's hilarious. I don't even know what missionaries do. I don't really know missionaries. Anyway, that prompting kept bugging me throughout the whole year. So without even telling anyone, I just kind of started talking to my bishop and getting some stuff ready. And I turned in my mission papers and I came home and told my family, I said, I'm going to go on a mission. And they were all, of course, so excited and didn't know what that really meant all the way. But we were super excited and I opened up my call and I was thinking maybe I would go somewhere Spanish speaking, somewhere foreign, you know, because I'm doing the first one in my family to be a missionary. And I opened up the call and it said Phoenix, Arizona. And I really, truly was like, this is actually where I'm supposed to go. I feel so good about it. I just felt like home. It felt just like totally right. That is an excellent mission call opening story. Where were you, where did you grow up? 
I grew up in Holiday, Utah. In Holiday, so yeah. so not too far from Phoenix, Arizona. But yeah, yes. exactly. <laughs> yes, that's what my family joked, and they pulled out the map because back then, you know, you used to get the mission call and then the map. And my dad was looking at it. He goes, "Lake Powell is in your mission. <laughs> You're going to Lake Powell in your mission. That's a joke." You know. <laughs> well, great. I think um, that's a that's a really fun preview and understanding of of your mission and just a bunch of diverse experiences you would have had in Arizona. So, and we'd love now just to hear the story that you want to share with us, the the main event. Yeah, I had the opportunity to serve my nine months of my mission in one area. So I started in Surprise, Arizona, which that was always fun. I wrote home, I said, I got called a surprise. And my mom literally wrote back the next letter, surprise what? I didn't know <laughs> the town is called Surprise. So I got, I called the Surprise, Arizona for nine months of my mission and very early on in my mission, we had a visiting general authority, Elder Gene R. Cook. He came and did a state conference where he spoke about the spirit and listening to the spirit. And in attendance at that state conference was a man named Brad Poston, and he had grown up in the church with his mom and his siblings. His dad was not a member. President Elder Cook challenged everyone to go home right then that night and knock on somebody's door and say, you need to come to state conference tomorrow. So as he was driving home and praying who he should go knock on what, whose door, his dad came to his mind that I'm not inviting my dad to state conference. He knows what state conference is. He knows like I served a mission. My brother served a mission. He knows what the church is. Why would Elder Cook want me to go do that? But he followed the prompting and he went and knocked on the door and said, Dad, I think it's really important that you come to state conference with me tomorrow. His dad wasn't a member. Is that? Yeah, his dad was not a member, but his dad was married to somebody who was a member. And so at this time, this man is 68 years old, the, his dad, an older gentleman. He's So he knocks on his door and says, I think you should come to state conference with me tomorrow. I feel very impressed that you should come. And he kind of rolled his eyes, he said, but said, OK, I'll, I'll meet you there. So he showed up to state conference and somebody found a sister missionaries and said, Bill Poston is at state conference. You've got to go meet him. So my companion and I went over and introduced ourselves, and he was very kind and nice, but didn't think anything was coming of it. And then um, we were doing our companionship study that night and said, we both had a really strong feeling we should just go over and visit him again. So for the next couple of weeks, months, we went and visited with him, and it was the right time for this, with the right message, with the right missionaries for Bill. and. We had a really neat experience where one night we were going to go teach him a lesson and we had talked about baptism, but we hadn't like committed to a date and we were about to knock on the door and I looked at my companion and I said, it's May 11th. He's going to get baptized on May 11th. And she's like, okay. And I'm like, I truly was like, I had no clue why that date came to me, but we sat in there and we started the meeting and I said, Brother Poston, we are so excited that you are going to get baptized on May 11th. And he said, yeah, that's actually the day I'm going to get baptized. <laughs> and so at 68 years old, it was so beautiful to see this man who his wife was by his side and to see his children and grandchildren and great-grandchildren come to this baptism. The entire congregation, it was like state conference, the whole chapel and overflow were packed with people who had been just loving this man and this family for years and to see this this miracle happen for him was pretty remarkable it was an amazing experience to see happen and just to see his humility and love and 
desire to get to know the Savior more and, and make this covenant with him was pretty remarkable. And then fast forward, I got transferred after nine months and was in my last area in North Phoenix. And I got a phone call from my mom who said, the mission president said I could call you. And I'm thinking, oh no, something really bad has happened. Oh no. And she said, you know how I've been kept in touch with Bill and Ann Poston? Well, they are getting sealed and they want you to come. And they want dad and I to come as well. And your mission president's cleared it all. So we're coming and we're going to come pick you up. So it was a really cool experience that all of a sudden one day I'm going to get a knock on my door. It's my parents <laughs> who had flew in and came and picked me up. And then we drove down, my companion and I, down to the Mesa Temple. Because at the time there was only the Mesa and Snowflake Temple. This is a really cool part of the experience was walking in that temple. I had served that my mission, like I said, nine months with all these people. So everywhere I turned, there was Brother Green, there was Sister Van Gotham, there was Bishop Knight, all these people who I just loved and loved and loved and served with. And it was just, the Spirit whispered pretty strongly, this is this is my work and my glory. This is what heaven's going to be like as you turn the corner and just see those people who you love so dearly. But anyway, so we get to the ceiling room and Bill also as a has an amputee, as a, only has one leg. And that was something he was really worried about with baptism is how he was going to be baptized if he only has one leg. But when he was worried too, that when he was going to have to be sealed, he was going to not be able to kneel down. And all these little concerns were so beautifully met in such a tender way for him. They were able to get him to be able to kneel down on his one knee and then to see his grown children sit at the altar and put their hands on their dad and mom's hand after thinking probably they would never see that in their lifetime. It was pretty amazing to see what the temple ceiling uh, truly is about and it's sealing families together and sealing them to God it was a pretty remarkable experience. That is remarkable. And I, you know, I think of all the ceiling ceilings that I've done in the temple and it's, it's always, you know, a spiritual thing to do to go there, but you don't quite connect with with I think what, or at least I don't quite connect with that ceremony as as you would if you were actually witnessing the family that is being sealed instead of doing it for proxy for a different family. So yeah. I imagine that was pretty special to see that. Yeah, it was really special. And I think I think there was something so tender too about almost 70-year-old man kneeling with his, in his white hair and his 70-year-old wife with her, you know, old white hair and cute wrinkles with their little wrinkled hands, you know, and, and to see just that no matter what age and stage in life, God is working with us and he's teaching us, he's guiding us. And, and to see these children who were grown adults and to see them, you know, be sealed as children to their parents was, was a cool experience to think because you always think, you know, you hear sealing stories. We actually have two children that are adopted. And so you hear stories of sealings of babies to families, but to see an actual, towards the end of our of, of this Act 2 life, um, being sealed together was pretty remarkable. That is. And to ask you a couple more questions about Bill, had he, I'm, I'm assuming he probably was taught the lessons numerous times. Is that, yes. is that right? Yes, yes. He had had the missionaries plenty of times. And so that's why it was really neat for, I had this amazing little Filipino companion. And I say little because she's, I'm short and she's way shorter than me. And we are <laughs> the dearest friend still, but it took Sister Evangelista to be, I think, there and maybe me, but I think she was a key part to open up his heart and his ability to want to hear the lessons and to accept the challenges that we were giving him. 
Was there something different that you guys did? Like, did you follow the same the same lesson structure, or like, was there is there some key point that was potentially different than what they talked about before? Yeah, that's interesting. You say that because I hadn't thought about that till right now. When we had um, a training with Elder Gina Cook before they had the state conference, he was really stressing that we bear testimony through music. So when we taught Bill those lessons, we tried to incorporate that and we sang a song every lesson. Um, they were usually primary hymns and it was just my companion and I, and I'm not a good singer, so my companion wasn't a really good singer. But he that was something that he mentioned numerous times was how he felt so close to God when we would sing those songs and at his baptism he had us sing one of the songs that we had sung in his missionary lesson so I think that was something that I had never done in any of the lessons with people I taught but was to sing primary hymns and incorporating them into the lessons do you remember which hymn you guys sang at his baptism yes we sang child's prayer song oh great yes yeah it was really cool to sing because when we actually sang that song at his lesson we did not know because this was all, he wanted to do this on his own. He didn't want his kids to know that he was meeting with missionaries. Because he was like, I don't want to disappoint them if I don't end up doing yeah. this. The day that we walked in there to tell him, to ask him about baptism and say that it's going to be May 11th, his son was driving by and just knocked on the door right before we got there. Yeah, he's like, uh, the missionaries are coming. And he was like, the missionaries are coming. He's like, yeah, they're coming. And so when it came, we sang that song, Child's Prayer. So his son is there sobbing his eyes out as we're singing <laughs> Child's Prayer to his dad about the plan of salvation is. And then when we extended him to be baptized on May 11th, and he's like, yes, his just jaw dropped to the floor. It was like, what is going on? <laughs> wow. Well, that's an incredible story. Yeah. Thank you so much for sharing that with us. And another question just about your kind of experience and preparation to go. So were you the first person to serve a mission in your family? I went, my dad, my dad served a mission. I should clarify, my dad served a mission, um, but I was the first of like any of my siblings and anyone on my mom's side of the family. Still am the only one on my mom's side of the family to serve a mission, so. Were you intimidated at all or just excited? Yeah, I think I was intimidated a little bit. Like I said, I didn't have like older brothers or I knew what missionaries were obviously from growing up in the church. But I definitely was intimidated. I remember that first night after the MTC when you get to your mission and my companion said, okay, we're going to go street contacting. And I was like, what? No, I, I don't think I signed. I think I actually want to go back home. <laughs> One of the hardest 18 months probably of my life, but also the best 18 months of my life, for my life, I should say. Well, great. And that's a great segue to to my last question for you. And I, I ask you know everybody that joins the podcast this question, but thinking about experiences like you had with Bill, or I'm sure you had some, some challenging experiences on your mission, whether it was rough days or rough companions or things like that. Kind of putting all those things together, thinking about that whole mission experience, was it worth it going on a mission? Uh, 100%, yes. It's those experiences that I think I had on my mission that were hard, that were painful, but that were also amazing and incredible that have gotten me throughout these last 20 years when there's times when I've had a hard or there's times I've had questions or doubts or um, situations where I'm feeling like lost. Those mission experiences that remind me, no, you know what to do. You know what is right. And also just to lean on in my testimony on those those experiences. I had two mission presidents and I was close with both of them, but I was extremely close to my first mission president. He passed away uh, last year. As I was counseling with him on my mission, and after my mission, I called him those miracle moments. And he'd always remember, don't forget your miracle moments that you had and why you had those. 
because I used to joke, when you get home from your mission, you're going to have a lot of hard things happen. And I think a lot of people have this mentality, oh, I served my mission, check, the rest of my life's going to be great. I'm so grateful I had a mission president. He said, no, 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 you're going to get home and your life's going to be even harder than you ever imagined. But you, t- you turn to those miracle moments when you have those hard times and remember that God loves you, that God knows you, that you have a, he has a plan for you and for all of his children. And I am just sometimes have had to cling to that by the fingernails of my hands. But to answer your question, yes, I would 100% do a mission and recommend a mission to anyone who's questioning, should I go? Is it worth it? Uh, the experiences you have, the people you'll meet, and the lessons that you learn for yourself are something you can never replace. Well, Whitney, thank you so much for sharing the story and really, really appreciate that and couldn't agree more. So thank you for joining us on the podcast. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it so much, Brian. I hope you enjoyed this episode of When I Was On My Mission. If you or someone you know has a great mission story, we would love to hear it. Please email us at contactonmymission at gmail.com or DM us on Instagram or Facebook at When I Was On My Mission. If you like this podcast, please tell a friend, subscribe, and leave us a five-star rating in your podcast app.